Hello, my pod people. This is Historical AF. And uh, strip on in because we have been talking about tornadoes and creepy-ass fog <laughs> and and how people react to all these natural disasters. But that was the last episode. This is now episode 32, Natural Disasters, part dose. <laughs> my name is Natalie. I'm Keena, and we are a librarian and a historian bringing you the funny, weird, spooky, and morbid historical nuggets you never needed in your ear holes. Why natural disasters? I did not realize that natural disasters were so fascinating. A little bit sad, but... Yeah. A little bit sad, but you know what? That's just kind of how this podcast is. (laughs) (laughs) Every time we're like, we're excited. Oh my God, we're so sad So many deaths, but it's it's very fascinating, though. (laughs) Sure. Spoiler, everybody dies. We let our Patreon people pick these topics, and this mm-hmm. is a really good one, and I don't think we would have picked it on our own, so we're really excited that uh, they did that for us. <laughs> yeah. This is like the nugget I didn't know I needed. I, it's true. Yeah. It, it was really interesting, sad, but really interesting. I'm pretty yeah. proud of my funny one that I did last episode, <laughs> where we had, you know, a redneck with her car, with her house that flooded, <laughs> and then she's floating in a kayak in it. So disasters can be funny. And same with the tornado house. Someone was spray painted "Gone with the Wind." Classic. <laughs> uh, yes. So if you haven't listened to episode 31, Natural Disasters Part One, you might want to skip over there first. Or depending on how sad this episode is, we can do this one first <laughs> and then skip back over there to finish it out. It's true. Um, but I'm going to give y'all a real, a real fun fact, and that is um, Miss Keen and I have been drinking. <laughs> this is our fourth episode we've recorded tonight, and we're yeah. we're right, we're deep in. We're deep we're in. We're like four hours in, y'all. <laughs> and uh, I, don't, I don't know how much rum, how many ounces of rum in, but we're in. We're we're deep we're deep into the Kraken. I'm in I'm deep in the Kraken. I um, like the Kraken too. Yeah, we're we got the Kraken rum running. <laughs> Fun fact: the Kraken rum has actually like cited my artwork. I made a Kraken pie, and then so for National Pie Day, they kept sharing it. So now every year on Pie Day, they acknowledge me and tag me. <laughs> okay, well now they need to like sponsor us. I mean, I love Wink Wine. <laughs> And that is great. I want all the wine and I want y'all to enjoy wink wine and or like do the little quiz and then they send you stuff. Cause I mean, hello, they send it to your door. Oh, That's amazing. So but I like variety. We need some rum too. Can we get oh, wink like- wine and maybe Kraken? I would email them like, Hey, you know that pie you keep sharing? You need to sponsor us because of it. Yeah. Just we can make, we can make more pies. It's true. Also, by the time this comes out, it won't be Thanksgiving yet. So I need ideas for my Thanksgiving pie. I normally do a pirate scene, but give me some ideas. I've done a lot of pirate stuff. I think I'm out of pirate ideas. (laughs) 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 But this year I can actually do gluten pies, which is what actually works. So the first pie that I did that everybody copies is my Kraken pie. I use gluten. And then the next three years, I used gluten-free because I thought I had celiac and then the whole thing. Listen to past episodes for that whole spiel. But anyway, I now I can do gluten again, so I'm excited. I'm going to sculpt something really cool. Yep, the most excited gluten eater you've ever seen. I know. But Zeke told me I, cl- I can only have one pie this year because we're on a diet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's sad. You can't restrict pie. I mean, hello, it's pie. Well, last night we were at a new place eating, and I was trying a new beer, and it was a peanut butter pretzel beer. It tastes like peanut butter. And I was like, this doesn't go well with my burger, but it would go really well with the pie. He's like, you should have a pie pairing. And I was like, that's my new YouTube channel, Pie Pairings with Beer. <laughs> Just make a pie, drink beer. I'm excited. I would, I would watch that. <laughs> And I would be okay with sampling. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I, it tasted like peanut butter. It was like a like dark beer. It was wild. I've never experienced anything like that. But it would go really well with a peanut butter pie. 
or like a chocolate pie. Yeah. Because then it's like you're drinking and eating a Reese's, an alcoholic oh. Reese's. Yeah, that'd be so good. I tried a strawberry beer the other night with my cousin. I'm like, this is actually pretty good. Oh, I've had a strawberry blonde, I think, from that Little Rock brewery, but that was a long time ago. Before it's I- good. I think that's what I had was a strawberry something. Because I know it was locally brewed, so yeah, it's probably that one. And yeah, it was delicious. Not too beery and not too strawberry. Although here, everything's very pecanish, because we're in like the home of the world's largest pecan. Everything's pecan flavor, so. <laughs> That's a new survey we need. Okay, guys. How do you pronounce pecan? Oh, yeah. Dialects fascinate me. Um, <laughs> because it's not even just state to state. You know, it's county to county and city mm-hmm. to city. It's crazy. And so, how do you pronounce pecan and any other holiday words you'd like to say? Yeah, Zeke says pecan. It's blasphemy. a constant fight in our home. That's a that's house. a nut blasphemy. There. <laughs> He's like pecan, and I'm like, no, we're in the South, sir. This is not how we do that. But yeah, caramel. I want to know who says caramel and who says caramel. Yeah. We actually, now, this is a judge-free zone. I make fun of Zeke, but that's because it's Zeke, okay? <laughs> this is a judge-free zone. It's funny, because we have a, a pecan Snickers, which has pecan and caramel in it, mm. and we have one left. And I know Luciano was pretty pissed that I didn't <laughs> yes. give him one, and I'm going to his house on Friday, so I'm like, should I eat it or should I save it? <laughs> no, no, no. You should, like, leave him a bite. <laughs> <laughs> I'll split yeah. it with you. So we bought four, and there's just one left in there. And I'm like, mm, I don't know. It's so good. It tastes like a turtle. Oh, those are so delicious. Mm. Okay. okay. Maybe we should actually get back to disasters. All right. <laughs> Would you like spooky or weird first? Let's do weird. Okay. I'm going to talk about the 1874 Year of the Locust. Also known as the Locust Plague of 1874-5. So, (laughs) crop-destroying plagues were common occurrence in the late 19th century American frontier, but most paled in comparison to the one that descended on the Great Plains in the summer of 1874. So this is like biblical shit right here. I'm surprised I haven't actually heard more about it. But the dry, arid spring created this perfect condition for Rocky Mountain locusts to lay their eggs in large numbers. Trillions of them hatched and laid siege to Nebraska, Kansas, and the Dakotas, as well as Iowa and several other states. This just sounds like a bad movie. It really does. (laughs) Crazy. The locusts were roughly 1.25 to 1.4 inches long, and individually, they weren't a big deal, and they didn't cause a problem. But when they multiplied into the billions, and then they traveled all these long distances, they consumed literally everything edible in their sights. (laughs) So you're just flat out screwed. They're like the goats of bugs. Yes! (laughs) The goats of bugs. I like that a lot. Uh, Witnesses said that the locusts arrived in roaring clouds so thick that they could block out the sunlight for several hours. I can't even imagine so many fucking bugs coming at you that you can't even see the fucking sun. That's a hard pass for me. I'm going to be long gone. I can't. I just, I can't. Upon landing, they gobbled up entire fields of crops, local vegetation, and even the clothes off people's backs. Uh-uh. <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> this is a quote. The air is literally alive with them. That is a quote from the New York fucking Times. <laughs> sounds like something from The Mummy. And this is another quote. They beat against the houses, swarm in the windows, cover the passing trains. They work as if they were sent to destroy. They probably were. Biblical shit, I'm telling you. People tried to burn the bugs with fire and blow them up with gunpowder. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> but they were powerless to fight so large of a swarm. Millions of dollars worth of crops were eventually destroyed in what became known as the Year of the Locust. 
Locust. Locust. Locust. I can English. It's fine. I'm just, it's an accent. Don't judge me. Like a rum accent? (laughs) This quote from the Voices of the Past, What We Can Learn from the Rocky Mountain Locust by Jeffrey A. Lockwood says, quote, According to the first-hand accounts of A.L. Child, transcribed by Riley et al., 1880, oh my god, Jesus, I'm drunk, a swarm, a Swarm of Rocky Mountain locusts passed over Plasmouth, Nebraska in 1875. By timing the rate of movement as the insects streamed overhead for five days surrounding towns, he was able to estimate that the swarm was 1,800 miles long and at least 110 miles wide. Holy shit, that's a lot of bugs. Yep. Holy crap. Based on this information, the swarm covered a swath equal to the combined areas of Connecticut, Delaware, Maine, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, and Vermont. Good lord. That's so bad. <laughs> There's so many. That's a lot. That's a lot. Of, that's a lot of that's a lot of bugs. The history of Jackson County, Missouri says, quote, the invasion of Kansas, Nebraska, Colorado, and western Missouri by the grasshoppers, or more properly speaking, the Rocky Mountain Locust in 1874, occurred in the month of August and was fraught with disaster to the architectural interests of those in the states and to the trade of Kansas City. Locusts came in immense clouds and literally covered the territory mentioned. Their first appearance was generally at the great altitude, flying from the northwest to the southwest, and their appearance was that of a snowstorm. Sometimes they were so numerous as to darken the sunlight. They settled gradually to the ground when their veracity soon made itself apparent. Whole fields of green corn were being destroyed in a single day. Nothing escaped them. Their appearance <laughs> to be nothing that would they would not eat. <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> Their destruction was great and caused much suffering. The U.S. Army was called to distribute supplies to the victims, but many homesteaders simply admitted defeat and retreated east. <laughs> So it was just like so fucked up. The military's like, we're gonna help you. They're like, fuck it, we're gone. We're just, we're just leaving. I can't, I can't do this. I'm out. (laughs) By late June, the locusts had done their worst and vanished as quickly as they had arrived. Most reports state that the swarms took flight in the northwest direction, apparently returning to the direction from which they had originally come. Despite the lateness of the day, the people went to work in hurriedly replanting their gardens and crops with hopes and prayers that the crops would have enough time to mature before winter arrived. Corn was planted as late as July 4th, which is quite late, since most corn in Missouri is planted in May. The year of 1875 was not a typical year. The rains were plentiful and the season was longer than usual, so the result was a record crop that far exceeded the typical year. Some areas of Missouri actually were able to grow a surplus of crops, so it kind of worked out. Bugs ate everything, and they were like, oh shit, I can't have food, and then the season actually extended so they could have food. So it was a surprisingly successful season, but they also had this, like, major fear that they were going to show up the next spring. The locusts did return in some degree in the following two years. A great deal of study was made to attempt to control future invasions, and numerous inventions were patented. Most of the states made efforts to control the locusts by a wide range of means. Bounties were paid for the collection of quantities of the locusts. So they pay you a dollar for a bushel of these bugs. So Nicollet County, Minnesota paid $25,000 for 25,000 bushels of locusts. That's a lot of money. Yeah. While some counties paid out even higher amounts, it was never to be known if these attempts actually made a difference. 
While they continue to be destructive, they were always much less destructive than they were in 1875. Never again were they as great of a threat as they'd been during that year. Then, surprising, they simply just disappeared. Like, fucking vanished. Nobody knew what happened. And they were never seen again. The last recorded sighting of these Rocky Mountain locusts was in 1902. So, why did they disappear? A number of theories have been proposed, but none of them provide an actual answer. One suggestion is that the widespread settlement of the prairie and the resulting plowing that was done disrupted their reproductive process since they laid their eggs in the soil. And a number of rainy years may have played a role since their greater reproductive success was that they laid their eggs in dry soil. So, summary. They fuck shit up and then they died out and they're extinct now. Yeah. The end. It's kind of a kind of crazy. Like I don't know if I should feel sad that they're kind of extinct or happy just because they fuck shit up. You couldn't see the sun. You couldn't do any shit. I just I know I'm done. I don't need that bug shit in my life. Like no. But I can't imagine how scary like scared people were. Don't come back next year. I can't handle this. Yeah, that would be terrifying. But luckily they didn't come back, so all was good. All was well in the realm. What's your story? <laughs> so my thing is morbid. And it's it's not again, I went pretty light this time. I mean the, the London thing was crazy that I read about last week episode because mm-hmm. a lot of people were injured and a lot of animals and people died. Yeah. But Hundreds of thousands, like 150,000 were injured. So that's pretty crazy from the London smog. Mm -hmm. But we're keeping it kind of light and the morbid. I almost think the London one was actually probably more morbid than what I'm about to read to you now. But it was more historical. So that's why I put it in that category. Mm -hmm. Anyways, moving on. So kind of like how I was surprised about fog being a natural disaster. Mm -hmm. I did not think about drought being considered a natural disaster. To me, it's like, oh, it just didn't rain that much that summer. But no, drought can actually be like a really shitty, terrible thing. And so what what is a drought? Well, a drought, reading off of this one article, or should I say website, because it's Natural Disasters Association, basically they define and give some examples of all kinds of natural disasters. And Under drought, it says the term drought is not easy to define. The easiest way to explain a drought is a period of unexpected shortage of water. Drought hazards develop slowly. There are no clear beginning or end and can affect extensive areas. The impacts of drought vary from lack of drinking water, loss of vegetation, loss of farmland, loss of livestock, and loss of life due to famine or dehydration. So just being dry, just not having classic rain can fuck up your shit like crazy. You're just your whole life, your whole whole ecosystem, basically. And what causes a drought? And again, it's kind of difficult to define. Drought is not caused by low rainfall amounts, but the lack of expected rainfall. Because, you know, each year they kind of predict it. So. People in different regions adapt to the different rainfall levels that occur in that area. When these are reduced, this is when a drought hazard may be created. The extent of drought is dependent on region type. As drought tends to be longer in drier areas, the impact of droughts depends on climatic conditions at the time and the national weather of the area involved. Developing countries tend to be more affected by droughts as much of the income in, is from subsidence. Sus, oh, I can't say it. Subsidence? Um, yes. Subsidence. Bless you. It's from that <laughs> from farming, which is greatly affected by lack of water. Drought. What's sad is I probably couldn't even say it sober. Uh, <laughs> drought can also be affected by deforestation as vegetation can help contain water in the area. When the vegetation is removed, the soil does not retain water as well. Basically, a lot of shit can cause drought. 
Yeah. Some examples of history of where a drought is in Sahil. From 1968 to 1975, the seven-year drought struck Sahil in Saharan, Africa. So between these years, 80 and 90% of the people in this area depend on the farming to live. By 1970, nearly 3 million people had been displaced and were in need of food and aid by 1972. International was used to feed over 50 million people. The drought resulted in the economic collapse of several countries like Chad, Sudan, Ethiopia, Somalia, and several others. Oh, wow. Yep. And in Ethiopia and Sudan, from 1984 to 85, these droughts led to widespread famine and estimated 450,000 people died during the famine, which developed due to lack of water for irrigation. Oh, no. It's pretty bad. That's a lot of people. Yeah. Now, University of South Carolina researchers Kevin Borden and Susan Cutter found that, surprisingly, heat and drought were the deadliest natural disaster between 1970 to 2004. In the oh, U.S. Wow. So that is just for us, the U.S. But the fact that they're the highest, and I'm like, man, that's why I'm like, I did not expect that to be the highest. Oh, I um, wouldn't either. I would think tornado or hurricane. And see, I think fog is on here. And that's how I'm like, how the fuck is fog a natural disaster? And that's how I discovered the London thing. Oh, okay. Well, I know, like, California has some... Really bad fog, smog situation. I get that, but like, how is that a natural disaster? Yeah. But then I find out that apparently fog can kill you if it has the right <laughs> particle yeah. in there. But on this chart, it says heat or drought is the top. And these are it's supposed to be deaths from natural disasters by type from 1970 to 2004. So heat or drought, that's 3,906 people. And this is all deaths from natural disasters, and that's about 20,000. Yeah. And it's breaking them up. But starting at the top, heat or drought, and then it's severe weather, which is your storms, your fog, your hail and wind. And that's why I'm like, how is fog in this list? But (laughs) And then winter weather, okay, and then flooding, and then tornado. And then lightning, all right? Mm-hmm. And then coastal, which is your storm surge and rip current and whatnot. And then hurricane and tropical storm. Mm-hmm. And then your earthquakes, tsunamis, and volcanoes. And then mass movement, which is like an avalanche and landslide. And then mm-hmm. last is wildfire. Oh, That's really? All sharp. Yep. I wouldn't expect that wildfire would be last. Yeah. Out of that 20,000 of people... Of the deaths, it, only 84 were wildfire. Oh, wow. So. The more you know. Rainbow. Deadly rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> On another article that I read about droughts and heat waves, and this is charted deaths from then. Starting in the 1930s, many states' longest drought of the 20th century Peak periods were 1930, 34, 36, 39, and 40. And 34 dry regions stretch from New York to the Great Plains, across the Great Plains in California, basically. And, it, mm-hmm. and that's what created the Dust Bowl. Oh, wow. 50 million acres in the South Central Plains during the winter of 95 and 96. Oh, wow. And <laughs> in 1955, August... 31st through September 7th, Los Angeles, an eight-day run of 100 degrees heat. 946 people died. Oh, my God. That's a lot. Yep. In 1972, in New York City, 891 died in a 14-day heat wave. Oh, that's awful. Is that mostly, like, elderly it doesn't say the statistics of the age and whatnot, so I'm not positive. I assume so, but yeah. who knows? I think about 
1955. I'm thinking about labor laws and maybe if you're working yeah. construction. Um, I don't know. True. Well, I know like today, but I mean, like in Arkansas, they'd have those heat shelter things up for like the elderly it's, and the homeless and stuff. A lot more cautious now. Yeah. Uh, in 1980, and in the central eastern U.S., estimated about 10,000 people were killed during the summer in a long heat wave and drought. Damages totaled around $20 billion. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. In 82 and 83, worldwide, El Nino caused wildly unusual weather in the U.S. and elsewhere throughout 1983. Drought in the Western Pacific region led to disastrous forest fires in Indonesia and Australia. Overall loss to the economy was $8 billion. And then basically a similar event in 1997 and 98. Oh, I um, remember the 97 and the 98 one, the El Nino. Mm-hmm. I was alive for that one. You made a comeback, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Coming up to more recent years. The, there's a, This is a pretty long list, but I'm going to move up to recent years and... In 2006, in California, a two-week heat wave killed 140 people. In 2007, in southeastern U.S., more than 50 deaths and cases of heat-related illnesses happened. It's like, hello. And Atlanta's Lake Lanier, Lake Lanier, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. um, have also been severely depleted. So it's just like major drought, major heat. Man, heat stroke's no joke. I don't know if you've ever been close to one or had it, but Jesus. It's um, rough. Oh, my step-grandmother had a heat stroke a few years ago. I mean, she was she survived. She's fine. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it definitely was hard. And her memory is not the best anymore. <laughs> I know that did not help. Lastly, in 2015... India, a severe heat wave killed 2,330 people. Oh my god, that's a lot of people. And Andhra Pradesh, a state on India's southeast coast, was the hardest hit with 42 people died within the 24 hours. 24 hours? Oh yep. my god. Basically, temperatures hit a high as 48 degrees Celsius. Or that's 118 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, wow. Yep. How? Oh, no. And there's more. That's the most recent one because I think they only went up to 2015, like when this study was done. But there are several other years where similar situations have happened. And it's kind of sad. And just when thinking of it, like, it's hot outside. Or we haven't had rain in a while. <laughs> what all that can do to you, to your ecosystem oh. and your livelihood, especially if you're a yeah. farmer. It's what do you do in 108? What, 118? Is that what you said? Yeah, 118. Oh, yeah. Like, there's nothing you can do. That's so yeah. scary. No, you just lay down. You just lay down and just go. <laughs> just wait. <laughs> that's just, oh, that's so scary. I can't even. That'd be such a miserable way to go. Just feel like you're literally in hell at that point. That's, you're just baking. Yeah. yeah. That's oh. It's like your it's your live action easy bake oven. Yeah, that's like oh, that's so scary. Like you talk about droughts, but then you talk about like you're literally frying. <laughs> like what else? Oh, there's oh. Nope, 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 nope. It's alright. Try to. Can you bring us back up with your spooky? Maybe. Probably not. They're all about death, but. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the podcast. Here's about death. If you're near here, please stay. (laughs) Yes, please. Yes, we have wrong. (laughs) Or we did (laughs) four hours ago. We don't find all this death and destruction funny. We just think we're funny. That's that's the distinction here. So. I mean, you have to laugh or cry, man. You just gotta. That's true. That's always been, that's always been our motto in our family. Either laugh or you cry. That's just what you gotta do. So I better, I, I'd rather make a, a joke that's probably not very tasteful. 
<laughs> and think about other things. True. Just to try to get through the day. I can only handle so much sadness in the world. It's true. Mine's not very funny, but there are several very haunted sites associated with natural disasters. And the first one I found was the Thailand Tsunami Ghosts. And there are a lot of news articles. Okay. On December 26, 2004, at 7.59 a.m., a 9.1 magnitude earthquake hit, which was the largest ever recorded. And it rippled through an undersea vault in the Indian Ocean. And it propelled a massive column of water towards unsuspecting shores. Damn. So ominous. That's so bad. (laughs) The Boxing Day Tsunami, as it would be named, became the deadliest in recorded history. And it took a staggering 230,000 lives. In a matter of hours, throughout 14 countries. Oh, that's a rough one. I told you this isn't much better. (laughs) Uh, It's okay, we'll make it. (laughs) The death toll in Thailand was nearly 5,400, including a 2,000 count for foreign tourists. It wasn't long after that survivors began seeing and hearing ghosts. Ooh. <laughs> the paranormal reports from the Thailand survivors are eerily similar to those in Japan, which included possessions, disappearing passengers, and victims calling for help. However, the Thailand tales have been one intriguing difference, that the ghosts are nearly all foreign. So here's a couple of them. So on January 14, 2005, Australian Broadcasting Corporation, also known as ABC, published the Thai Tsunami Trauma Sparks Foreign Ghost Sightings. <laughs> it's very long. According to the article, survivors in Thailand's six worth hit provinces often encountered foreign. <laughs> That's such a hard word to say. It is. It's, this is judge-free zone. <laughs> it is. Survivors of Thailand's six-word hit provinces often encountered foreign ghosts near the sea. Jesus. That's, that's like, a lot of S's. That is a S's lot. S's are hard. <laughs> they are. S's are so bad. Uh, a guard at the beachfront plaza in Patong reportedly quit his job after hearing a foreign ghost scream for help late into the night. In yeah. another story, a Ghostly tourists roamed up and down the beach, calling out for the help for her lost child. Oh, so sad. There's also a curious tale of a foreign man and his Thai girlfriend who hailed a cab to the airport. But then halfway through the drive, they just fucking disappeared. Imagine being that cab driver, right? You pick up two people and you're like, cool, let's do this. And then they just fucking disappear. No. It's very <laughs> Ghostbusteries. <laughs> sure. Spooked volunteer body searchers on the resort areas of Fifi, I think that's how you say it, Island and Kolak are reported to have looked for tourists and then they heard laughing and singing on the beach only to find darkness and empty sand. Oh, it's like my no soul. Thanks. No thanks. Similar accounts appear in BBC News. They called it Ghost Stock Tsunami Survivors. A tuk-tuk, I think it's tuk-tuk, driver claimed seven tourists piled into his minivan one night only to vanish mid-route. This seems to be like a thing. Like people pile into vans or like, I'm going to make some money. I want to feed my kids tonight. And then they all fucking disappear and then they can't make a profit. That's rude. That seems very rude to me. Rude ghost. Rude. Shame on you. Yeah. A foreign woman screamed for help in the wreckage of a hotel, but then no one could ever find her. And then another story. Tales of foreign ghosts were so prevalent that monks in the area began offering pizza, paper clothes, and money to help the spirits move on. I want pizza. Let's unpack that. I can just imagine people giving me pizza to move on. Like, they don't want me there. (laughs) 
Natalie, here's a veggie pizza. Please move on. All right. You don't need to be here anymore. Psychologists have been like, why is this happening? Why are Thailand residents encountering so many foreign spirits? So psychologist Wanlop, oh my God, Pianmaluthum. Great. Okay. Offers an explanation. He says, (laughs) quote, foreigners make a big impression on Thais. The doctor told BBC News that, quote, they're physically imposing and they often seem rich and powerful. If people like that die in terrible circumstances, it's not surprising that they should come back into people's minds as ghosts, especially when they've been so far from home. So, <laughs> that's like, I was just like, you're not seeing a ghost dog. You're just, like, imagining Americans <laughs> frolicking <laughs> the beaches. Sure. <laughs> And then other psychologists have said that mental health experts warn that tsunami survivors have picked up on this cultural factor as a way of expressing mass trauma after living through the deadly waves and witnessing such horrific scenes. If you're dealing with that amount of death and destruction, that you might actually kind of manifest these situations. I can definitely understand. I mean, I think about the flooding or any issues like that and just finding bodies floating around and oh, just yeah. everywhere. I can't imagine everywhere. how horrible it would have been. Just that many people die and seeing that much death and that much destruction that, yeah, your mind yeah. is probably going to be And these aren't peaceful bodies. These mm-hmm. these are these are people missing limbs. These are, it's mm-hmm. been in the water. Like, it's, it's bad. Yeah. I, I know I would be traumatized, for sure. Oh, absolutely. All right, the next disaster is Hurricane Katrina, which New Orleans has always been notoriously haunted. But a lot of people say that because of Hurricane Katrina is way more haunted. Oh, a bit. In August 29, 2005, it leveled homes, causing a catastrophic levee failure in New Orleans. Over 1,400 people died in that storm. And some say that the victims have never left the Crescent City. (laughs) On September 16, 2005, just 17 days after the Katrina disaster, San Francisco's CBS 5 published a, quote, guardsmen sense ghostly presence in New Orleans, end quote. In the report, members of the National Guard stationed at the evacuated Sophie B. Wright Middle School shared their unnerving experiences with a ghostly child. Quote, I was sleeping in my bag and I opened my eyes and in the doorway I saw a little girl, said Sergeant Robin Hairston of the California National Guard. And he said, I quote, it wasn't my imagination. Another guard heard a girl laughing in the supply closet but found no one inside of it when she searched. A third member of the unit saw a small shadow looming over her in the bathroom. In 2013, a crew of ghost adventurers investigated the former bordello. Zach Bagans believes that Katrina victims spoke to him through a ghost box naming the storm as his or her killer. That same year, the owner of the New Orleans burger joint claimed that Katrina ghost brought bad luck on his business. So I found this interesting. So said burger joint that Zach Baggins is talking about was called uh, was called Charcoals <laughs> in the was called Charcoals in the Irish Channel. People said it was haunted, so they tried to uh, get rid of the bad juju, but it obviously didn't work. So they ended up selling it and it became Dini's Seafood Kitchen at that point. And it's at the corner of Jackson Avenue and Magazine Street where Ferris Smith was killed after being hit by a drunk driver while walking one night during Hurricane Katrina. And then her body laid in the streets for days. And a lot of like news articles that I was reading said that this marked the lawlessness of Katrina. Authorities ignored her, but neighbors made a makeshift grave, which sat on vacant properties for years. And I'm going to send you a picture really quick. Uh, 
so they just kind of made like a tarp and then put like stones around it. And then that was her body. They said prayers. They fashioned a cross and they placed a plastic sheet over the soil on which someone painted the words, Here lives Vera, God help us. The circumstances of her death came to symbolize the breakdown of authority and loss of human dignity during this time. Her body was actually later cremated and taken to her parents' gravesite in Texas. She's physically gone, but her spirit is said to remain. Simon of New Orleans is worried that Vera's spirit is at unrest. Now that it is a new restaurant, it is the spot of where Vera was actually killed, and he felt that something had to be done. So to do that, he felt that he and his artist friends had to build a special memorial right outside of this restaurant to keep her from haunting. The next one is on May 22nd, 2011, a five, or F5 tornado struck Joplin, Missouri, and the surrounding regions. Over 150 people died. One family believes that some of the victims have yet to move on. In an episode of Sci-Fi's Haunted Collector, the Wilson family in Joplin shares tales of the paranormal. The family noticed that uh, they took a photo of an old mirror in their home. Different lines and shapes appeared in the glass. A big note for me. An EVP <laughs> session conducted during the paranormal investigation also yielded a faint voice and shuffling sound on the stairwell. Also, a big fucking note. Yeah. And <laughs> the noises came in response to a question about the 2011 tornado. A Joplin author claims that many first responders noticed paranormal activity in their homes after helping tornado victims. No, like you help them and then they haunt you. <laughs> like no, I mean if it's helpful, sure. Like you want to help me make a cake? <laughs> oh, that's fine. No. no. Last May, another F5 tornado tore through more Oklahoma, killing 24 people, including nine children out of school. Nine-year-old Nicholas McCobb was one of the children who died that day, but Scott McCobb, Nicholas's father, believes that his son is still around. The elder, McCub, told that Oklahoma News Station that Nicholas appeared in a photo taken on 4th of July. And I'm sending that to you right now. There's a lot of, there's a lot of photos. In this. <laughs> this one's freaked me out. Uh, I, don't, I don't like it. Oh, yeah. The girl in the photo is Nicholas's cousin, Madison, but the blurred face behind her uh. is Nicholas, or uh. so the family believes. This looks very creepy, y'all. It mm. does. I don't like that at all. It looks like it looks like uh, if you took an old picture and it, it really does look like a boy is running behind her and they've just it, blurred it. Yeah, it, no. Quote, I couldn't believe what I was seeing, Scott said. Nicholas loved the 4th of July, and he loved firecrackers. My brother, when he saw it, said that the hair stood up on the back of his neck. <laughs> I don't like that. The Joplin tornado also spawned tales of the butterfly people, beautiful guardian angels who saved potential victims from certain death. Soon after the twister, tales of the butterfly people spread across Joplin, leading many to believe in miracles. Just after 1 a.m. on March 1st, 1910. And, oh, that's another one. <laughs> that's a different one. But anyway, I like the butterfly thing because my best friend died. And uh, she always said that she wanted to be a butterfly. So a lot of times when I'm, like, in my worst mental space and, like, worst things happening, I see a butterfly show up out of nowhere. So I think that she's a butterfly. That's what her grave says. I want to be a butterfly. So, like, she's a butterfly now. Uh, The next disaster is an avalanche just after 1 a.m on march 1st 1910 an avalanche smashed through a railway depot in wellington washington throwing trains 150 feet downhill and it killed 96 people many of the victims bodies could not be retrieved until 21 weeks after the disaster <sighs> like that's awful can you imagine what's left of a person after 21 weeks no. No. The avalanche was one of the deadliest in U.S. history, and now many paranormal investigators believe that Wellington is one of Washington's most haunted locations. Legend has it that ghostly women wanderers of the area hum and sing. They never stay in one place too long. Some visitors hear children playing, even when there's no children around. 
Disembodied screams, oh God, and voices are also common. One woman was so struck by the ghost that she wrote a book about the subject called The Avalanche of Spirits. And then, quote, After the things that I've experienced there, I am a believer, said author Karen Frazier, said of her time in Wellington. Quote, A century later, they're still trying to find their way home. I don't like that either. I know, it's so many lost and... And it all just makes me sad, like, trying to find your way home. Like, oh. Yeah. I just can't imagine screams of people just so desperate to go home, and then they just disappear. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. No, 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 no. That ended on a terrible note. <laughs> the end. Sorry. This is depressing. <laughs> it's okay. But creepy, which is what you have. It's spooky, so that's fine. That's it makes sense. true. But thank you all for listening to our drunkenness, and it's midnight. It's past midnight for us, so yeah, it, pretty it's tired. been a long night. <laughs> it's been a fun one, though, and I hope you all enjoy it. I hope so, too. This has been an interesting natural disaster. So it's been an interesting one. It has. And so if you want some of our deleted scenes and our bloopers and all the good shit that's going to go on with this night, of drunkenness, then join <laughs> Patreon. <laughs> Patreon.com slash historically if but there's always more deleted scenes. Like there's enough deleted scenes and bloopers to have another episode. It's it's worth it, I'm telling you. <laughs> well that and the the drunk dives. I'm oh they're on. so good. There's one coming up. And then also our live streams, people seem to dig those. We just oh, yeah, talk sure. to you guys. For like an hour, and then you can ask us anything, and and we'll fun. ask you anything too. It goes both ways. It's true, <laughs> we, we, we get pretty like nosy. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, we have like a secret Facebook group, and then you can just like talk to us, talk to you guys all the time. So yeah, face or Patreon. That's you should join. <laughs> now and then, now and then also we need some uh, listener stories. For always, always. I love reading the spooky stories, but with the holidays coming up and our birthdays coming up, we mm-hmm. have Birthmas, oh, Kita yes. and I. So we would love to hear any holiday traditions. It could be cultural, religious, or just meemaw and mamaw out in the backyard doing whatever you want. You know, we want to hear it all. Please uh, send us anything you want or just want us to research, whatever. You know the drill. It's <laughs> historical AF pod at gmail.com yes i'm excited our, our birthdays are on the same week this year what because we're twinsies we're week twinsies. twinsies we are and then also we have merch and that's shop.spreadshirt.com slash historical af pod and we have lots of cool shit going up on there constantly adding stuff and changing things so daily and it's winter, so you need some sweaters and, like, hoodies and, like, Mugs you know. for your hot chocolate and your coffee. Yes. Yes. I know that I will be. I'm going to get a hoodie soon. So, it's cold here in Texas. Who would have thunk? Not me. I would not have thought. <laughs> it's so cold. It's, like, 30 degrees. What the fuck is this shit? <laughs> it's pretty funny. I, I have made a new friend who I really enjoy. Her name is Ilya, and she's from New York, and she is awesome. And then she came to the library today, and she's like, it's cold outside. <laughs> and I'm like, welcome to Arkansas. She's like, I did not expect it to be like this in Arkansas. And I'm like, yeah, you might have your New York winters, but welcome to 19 degrees one day and 60 degrees the next. It's true. We were 70 yesterday, and then by last night, it was like 30. Yeah, like, same here. Fuck yeah. happen. Yeah, I had my air conditioning on this weekend, and yeah. there was ice this morning. Yeah, it's it's insane, but I saved the lime tree, so that's all that matters. That is true. The point yeah. that matters. <laughs> we have like Christmas lights around our trees to keep them warm. <laughs> our neighbors probably think we're just like crazy as shit. <laughs> they gotta live. Citrus yeah. can't be this cold. <laughs> no. Anyway, follow us on uh, social media. That's yep. Historical AF Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Instagram. Yep. Yeah. 
And that'll be most of our updates and our cool shit and stuff. So, And then we have a P.O. box, and that's on our Instagram and stuff. And then also, you know, rate and review us and tell literally everybody about us, because that's how we're going to get out there. Yeah. I mean, as um, we don't mind promoting. Like, Kina's doing great, cranking out all the social media junk for y'all to see. But to get numbers, really, we need your help. Mm-hmm. We need to, you. So... To share with your friends or to review us, however you'd like. But we would really, really appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you talk to us on social media, we'll answer you. I know oh, people yeah. get shocked every time they, like, mention us. And then we talk to them. And they're like, oh, my God. I didn't think you'd really talk uh, to we us. We have made friends now. Friends, yes. mes- people message us. <laughs> and I love it. Yes, we will talk to you. But yeah, definitely. If you find somebody that's like, I'm looking for a history or a true crime and or paranormal and or weird funny shit, be like, I got a, I got you. Or do you like death and murder? We still got you. Like you. Do you like to be depressed? We have you. Do you like to be drunk? We've got you. Do you yes. like to laugh? We got you. We're the hodgepodge podcast history, basically. Yes. Hodgepodge, 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 hodgepodge. Bless you. <laughs> Yeah, we're drunk. All right, guys. And sleepy. It's so bad. And I'm hungry. But y'all are worth it. I just want you to know that. You are worth it. And we love you. No, no, no. You can't do that. That's the I love you, man. That's when you know you've had too much to drink. (laughs) I might have. Next thing you know, you'll be slapping the bass and you sound Irish. (laughs) (sighs) Okay, bye. I like that movie. Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>